what we do here is go back, 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 back. Hello and welcome to Turbo Geeks, a short format podcast where dope people talk passionately about dope topics. On today's episode, first thoughts on The Last of the Starks, episode 4 of the final season of Game of Thrones. The Last of the Starks. Episode 4 of the final season of Game of Thrones was directed by David Nutter, written by David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. It has a 78-minute runtime. This episode marks the final appearances of Alfie Allen, uh, who is Theon Greyjoy, Ian Glenn, who is Jorah Mormont, Bella Ramsey, who is Lyanna Mormont, MVP, uh, Richard Dormer, who is Beric Dondarrion, um, Bed Crompton, uh, Edison Tollette, the 999th Lord Commander of the Night Watch, Night's Watch, Staz Nair, who is Kono, who is, for those who don't know, uh, the head of Danny's uh, Dothraki Kalasar. And Natalie Emmanuel, who plays Masande. R.I.P. to all of them. R.I.P. especially to Rhaegal, uh, the dragon named after John's actual father. A recap of the episode. The North mourn their dead, burning them on funeral pyres. During a somber feast, Daenerys legitimizes Gendry as a Baratheon and then names him as Lord of Storm's End. Uh, which is actually the Baratheon house hold or whatever, right? They're, they're like birthright place. Gendry then proposes to Arya and she declines. Jamie and Brienne play a drinking game. Tyrion makes it awkward. Tormund shoots a shot. Brienne leaves and Jamie follows. They end up sleeping together. Uh, to protect her claim as queen, Daenerys asked Jon to conceal his true parentage, though being the honest and honorable quote-unquote son of Ned, he wants uh, to tell Sansa and Arya. Tormund tell, tells Jon that he'll return to the north with the rest of the wildlings. Jon tells him to bring Ghost, his loyal direwolf, who is woefully underused, but who is definitely showing some wear and tear after last week's episode. Missing an ear with tons of scratches on him with that white coat. Uh, Bronn arrives to kill Jamie and Tyrion, but spares them in exchange for Highgarden. During a war council, Daenerys wants to immediately attack King's Landing with their depleted forces, but Sansa disagrees to let them heal. Jon reveals his Targaryen claim to Sansa and Arya, swearing them to secrecy, uh, that doesn't last long, because as wanting John as king, Sansa tells Tyrion, who informs Varys, and those two fuckers are going to uh, talk about it to everybody. Uh, Arya leaves Winterfell with Sandor Clegane, the Hound, heading for the south. Daenerys and her fleet 
set sail for King's Landing while John leads the northern armies uh, through the lands. Euron Greyjoy ambushes the dragons, then the fleet, killing Rhaegal, Rhaegal and uh, kills the dragon with more powerful and numerous scorpions, new improved scorpions, uh, and they end up capturing Masande. Daenerys considers seizing King's Landing uses, using Drogon's fire, uh, but we see these new and improved scorpions that can mess up a dragon. They got three shots in on Rhaegal. Rhaegal. Varys believes Jon would be a more tempered monarch than uh, Danny, who may be growing mentally unstable. After receiving news of Cersei's victory, Jaime leaves Winterfell. Danny arrives at King's Landing, and Tyrion conveys her demand that Cersei surrender. But a defiant Cersei instead executes Missande, pissing off Grey Worm, pissing off Danny, and we'll see what happens. Uh, positives of the episode. Number one, I think John's speech was awesome. Uh, before he went, and a lot of people on Twitter were making fun of how how deep his voice got comparing him to like star lord meeting thor trying to drop his drop his voice down but i thought it was great uh sansa saying her goodbye because she never got to um and then you know it was uh some tugging on the heartstrings by putting the stark pin on theon's body uh the drinking celebration was great, and the subsequent spotting of a coffee cup in a couple of particular shots that they had just left on the table right in front of Danny. Um, one of the other fun things in there, oh, I guess I'll save that for, for the did you know later, but uh, there are some great shots in there, even though it was a, a really tight celebration space-wise. Uh Another positive, if you can kind of, he gets a little bit of screen time, but then it definitely shows in the background. Sex God Pod is back with the ladies. Uh, I liked how Gendry was legitimized as a Baratheon, um, even though Danny made it seem like she was going to like fuck some shit up. Uh, she is trying her damnedest, and we can talk about that later. Uh I really enjoyed Arya saying no and breaking Gendry's heart because he jumped on that too quick, timeline-wise. You know, they slept right before the battle, and the battle was, like, the other day. So this is kind of this is kind of quick. Um, and he should know better that she's not... That kind of life of ruling and, like, chilling is not her style. That's not Arya's steez right there, so... Of, of course she was going to say no. And then b because of that, her leaving and meeting up with the Hound just randomly on the road was a nice little reunion. Um, and maybe we'll get some adventures together or at least one big adventure at King's Landing since we don't have, we have two episodes left. Um, Tormund and the Free Folk going back north makes a lot of sense, but it sucks tactically. Because now you're for you don't have that many more forces, but you know they were never in it for this um, fight for the seven kingdoms. They were in it for this the 
the fight for life and, and mankind. Uh, so them going back north where they can roam and wander, it, it makes a lot of sense. And uh, I I get John's reason for also saying to take ghosts, but that's some, like, some messed up stuff. Um, maybe ghosts will find Nymeria and will join that pack as well. Um, I enjoyed the scene with Bronn and the brothers. That was probably the most tension-filled scene in the sh- in the season so far, as far as I'm concerned. Um, that had a lot of weight and possible, you know, changes into the story. But you know, we got what we got. Uh. And then the surprise with Euron and the scorpions and seeing how the entire fleet has a scorpion on each boat, how mobile they are and how well they maneuver to quickly change direction. They have more or less a, a full 360 degree uh, sight view on everything. So Danny only having one dragon left is going to serve some some issues for down the line. Those scorpions are huge. Uh I don't really see a tactical way around it, but maybe we can get into the negatives. Speaking of which, I'm very much on the fence this season, at least on these first watches of the episodes. A lot of the character actions don't make a lot of sense to me, um, especially when you consider their story arcs. Let's take, like, Danny, for example. They, They go to show that she's this, you know mousy um woman at the beginning of or girl rather at the beginning of the the series and then to show her compassion freeing people wanting to break the wheel so on and so forth but having some of these tendencies of the her father the mad king uh makes some dramatic sense but it doesn't make sense story-wise and you know, I get it. We're watching a fantasy show and I just want to see that they treat her well because, um, you know, ultimately right now it's like queen versus queen and who's crazier and, uh, you know, what kind of things that says culturally is, is kind of uh, weak. So I'd rather see if Cersei is supposed to be the big bad, that our big good is not necessarily... John by himself, but John and Danny uniting together, um, especially when they're, you know, you make it more dramatically um, appealing because their forces are have been weakened by uh, the fight in the long night. Um, so that all said, I still find the show entertaining and I want to see it through. Maybe it'll make sense at the end, uh, you know, with hindsight, but Right now, it doesn't look uh, as clean as it could be. They have this monumental task of trying to complete a mythology, at least for now, that has been you know, around for decades, especially if you've been a book reader. Um, and I get it. The, the show is a different beast, and we're trying to wrap it up, but it sucks that we, we don't get some satisfying uh, conclusions to some of those arcs. So, some of the negatives I have, where the hell were the rest of the bodies? There are so many bodies after that battle, I refuse to believe that they're, they're all, on the, all on the pyres and stuff. 
Um, that's weird. The tension between John and Danny sometimes feels a little manufactured. Um, that said, a lot of their attraction to each other also seems a little manufactured. I don't know if that's the writing. I don't know if that's the direction. I don't know if that's the acting. Uh, but it doesn't feel genuine to me when they say, like, I love you and I, I choose you kind of stuff. Um, you can show a little bit more of the hesitation with each other through some other means where maybe be, when they're near each other all the time that they they can't help but, you know, smile and be happy for each other and show affection. But then, you know, bring up Sansa with some side eye in the corner of the frame or... Uh, what they do with uh Tormund uh saying or or rediscussing a lot of the accomplishments accomplishments John has had in battle since they've known each other, so on and so forth. Um speaking of John, you are fucking up with the direwolf, man. You, you, you kind of left them for a dragon, and then that dragon, unbeknownst to you, that dragon is dead, and you just gave away your dog. Your do- you're like there's supposed to be a super deep bond. I'm sure if you read or listen to other things that y- you would know h- how important that is. But you're messing up, man. Um, Varys being the one to get on. Uh, or get Tyrion on Danny's side originally when Tyrion uh, somehow f- got over to Essos. And now Varys is switching sides for Jon um, with his excuse being like, I do it for the realm and all that stuff. Seems a little weird to me. Uh, I know that he he's tried to convince her not to be all killer crazy and bloodthirsty and whatnot, but... Uh, too little too late, dude. Um, you weren't saying shit earlier, but you were in all the shots and the scenes and whatnot. You should have been fighting for your stance as far as all this stuff is concerned. Um, Masande's capture and execution, more of a personal negative, that sucks. Um, but that's kind of like a, I guess like a pawn on the chessboard. It's an easy piece that you could get but why get it when they're you know you're deeper into the game and there are some bigger players and whatnot to try to get um but yeah danny's team is taking a lot more l's losing a dragon losing uh literally one of her best friends and uh confidants um pissing off gray worm i want to see where this goes and i hope that gray worm either goes out in a in a blaze of glory or like takes a a ton of the the golden company and the Lannister forces uh, in the next episode or so. Um, So I get some of these story beats. You're trying to make, you're trying to show the stack against Danny, but I don't really like this whole will she or won't she become the Mad Queen uh, idea because it feels like we've been showing that through her arc in particular that she is growing beyond that. She is she is not her father. And while I guess, you know, the 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 two big examples of her going crazy with the fire and blood thing, the the words of uh House Targaryen was against the other calls 
uh, in Essos when she was trying to say, like, I'm the boss, I'll kill everybody, and I'll, I'll take the forces for myself. Um, and then, obviously, the Tarleys, Sam's dad and brother, uh, burning them alive after not showing fealty to her. Uh, so I, I get some of that stuff, but seeing her kill a bunch of actual innocents, not players in an army, so on and so forth, but actual innocents in King's Landing is going to be kind of rough for her her story. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to like that because, like I was mentioning earlier, to say, all right, we have these, the two main women on this show are crazy bitches is kind of a step back in some of the progressive storytelling that I feel like the show has tried to show, especially with, you know, Arya being the hero in the last uh, episode. And then the last big negative I have is Jamie's arc. I, what the fuck is going? What are you doing? Why are you leaving? Because you heard that Cersei is like a little bit happier that um, everyone survived or not everyone. A good number of people survived the long night battle, but now they're depleted. So she's happy. So now he's going to go down there. And what's he going to find? He's going to find Euron blabbing to everybody that uh, she's carrying his baby, which is not true because Jamie knows it's his. And are they going to fight? Or is he going to play the role that he's played before in the whole, like, I'll just be head of the Kingsguard and support my child from afar without letting them know that you know I'm their father? And then would Euron even care for that? And would Cersei even take him back after... How Jamie left in the first place. I I thought we turned hero, and it feels like a step backward for him to go. Yeah, I'm turning my back on all of this stuff again. Anyways, that's uh, those are some of the issues that I had with the episode. Some of the positives, because I know on the first thoughts of the last episode, it didn't sound like I enjoyed it a lot. I did record a second thoughts pod maybe i'll put that up later quietly but i don't know how i'm feeling on the rest of the the series here we only have maybe three hours left of the show maybe a little less than that and to tie up a lot of these loose ends is going to be really difficult uh but we'll see what happens i'm so so on on this last episode and this episode but i'm hoping they can turn it all out for the better and not just try to wrap it up for the sake of wrapping it up because their contracts are running out. Predictions and the preview for episode five. This is another battle episode again uh, directed by Miguel Sapochnik. Um, we know that from a lot of the production news beforehand. So this is going to be Danny's forces uh, invading or trying to invade King's Landing now, and Cersei's forces trying to repel all of that is the assumption. Will we get Clegane Bowl? Will the Hound and Arya magically get down to King's Landing and... Uh, it, will it be the the hound versus the mountain? 
um, does Cersei die in this episode so that we have one more episode to wrap up the rest of the story? Uh, if she dies, will it be by Arya's hands um, because she's at the top of the kill list? Or is it going to be by Jamie's? And is it going to be by Jamie's in like some weird self-sacrificial, I'm saving you, but I love you, or I'm the, I came in the, into this world with you and I'm going to take you out with me kind of deal? I could see like the the red keep on fire and there's no way out and they're in there together and you know she shares some news of like I don't love you anymore it wasn't your baby it was Euron's and in a in a fit of rage he like strangles her or something I don't know we'll see um it's wrapping up a little quickly a little too quick I think for a lot of people who who nerd out about the details and the history of uh Westeros and Essos and whatever the world the world of this is the world of Rose whatever um the theories have always been great but I shared a a meme of the what was it the the night king's symbols that he would draw in the ground with body parts or like horse bodies or that that imagery that's been shared over and over and over was uh your theory's going down the drain is what the meme said and it, it it's showing like all all the stuff of the Azora High and the prince that was promised or the princess that was promised and a lot of time even in the shows obviously way more in the book but in the shows they still talk about it a lot and it ended up being Arya who killed the night king which is great and i think that was actually one of the best that, that was one of the positives of the episode and of the story that have shown like this is why we've been following her career as a as a fighter and then a killer so that you could see that she's fighting for something and not just serving the god that the faceless men do um i think that was awesome but where does that leave the theories on all this other stuff or or did the showrunners go hey you know what we we responded to the uh, L plus R equals J theory. Let's throw some of the other ones out, uh, it, you know, uh, definitively. So it's kind of weird that uh, something, some fandom like this, some mythology that can potentially be, be this deep, isn't seeing anything uh, kind of go their way. Uh, and I get it. That's the reality of running a TV show. People will still have the books if, G.R.R. Martin ends up finishing them. Everybody knows he's not in the greatest of health. He's getting older and uh, the books aren't moving and coming out quickly. So the story may not be wrapped up by the original author, but we we also don't know who else he's talking to. He's got the authors of uh, the book, The World of Ice and Fire, who also run like the, the forums. I think uh, they're there, but who knows how much they were telling, or uh, rather that Martin was telling them. Uh, It's kind of like the idea behind, in Star Wars, the heir apparent that I believe to George Lucas is uh, a guy named Dave Filoni, um, who's got his hands in a bunch of other different stories, the Clone Wars, which he worked directly with Lucas on, and then... He eventually got his own show, Rebels. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, Rebels. Um, And that was great. And now he's going to be 
uh, one of the directors in the miniseries The Mandalorian that comes out on Disney Plus later this year. It's the first live-action Star Wars show about a Mandalorian uh, bounty hunter, not Boba Fett. Uh, And it takes place after the original trilogy, before the sequel trilogy. Uh, So, you know, the Death Star blew up, the Emperor's dead, uh, Luke has kind of finished his arc and is now a Jedi, and the Rebel Alliance is like, legit, now what? The, The... ruins of government and whatnot would still kind of be around and they're going to explore that with a bunch of other great directors like Taika Watiti and a, a number of other great uh, TV directors. Uh, but we can talk about that another time. Speaking of directors, uh, David Nutter, the director of this particular episode, is an Emmy award-winning director. Uh He did, I believe, the Emmy came from... His first Emmy came from directing an episode of HBO's Band of Brothers. Um, He also did one that was nominated for The Sopranos. Um, I think the episode uh, episode was Join the Club, if anybody remembers that one. Uh, She also helped... Or he also helped with the creation and direction of beloved old TV shows like Roswell, Dark Angel... Smallville, Supernatural, Terminator, The Sarah Connor Chronicles, The Mentalist, and Shameless, which is on Showtime. Um, He's also known for Entourage, Arrow, and Game of Thrones. With the Game of Thrones uh, time, this guy is an American director, by the way. Went to the University of Miami. Uh, He directed The Old Gods and the New, which was where Theon took Winterfell. Uh, John captured Ygritte. Marcella was sent to Dorne. Uh, Joffrey started a riot, and Sansa is almost gang raped, but then saved by the Hound. Um, this is where Arya also meets Jack and Hagar at Harrenhal. He also directed A Man Without Honor, where uh, Danny receives an invitation to the House of the Undying somewhere in Essos. Uh, John gets lost in the wilderness, and Cersei counsels Sansa. Then, probably the biggest one that he he's done uh, that really got his name on the map, at least with Game of Thrones, was The Reigns of Castamere, which is the infamous Red Wedding episode. Uh, then he also directed Misa, the one after that, the aftermath of the Red Wedding, that shows Arya's first kill when she and the Hound arrive to Winterfell but stay on the outside because the Hound knows what just happened. They see Rob's body with his direwolf Greywind's head um, stuck on top of it. Uh, Theon meets his captor, Ramsay Snow, that bastard. Uh, and Danny frees the slaves of Yunkai. He also did the Dance of Dragons, where uh, Arya forgets her assignment, killing the Thin Man, and sees Marin Trent. John and the survivors of Hardhome return back to Castle Black. Uh, This is where Shireen is sacrificed by Melisandre, and the Sons of the Harpy attack Danny and her allies. He also did Mother's Mercy, which is where Stannis Stannis approaches Winterfell, but his army gets attacked by uh, Ramsay and the Boltons. Sansa and Theon escape Winterfell. 
Uh, Marcella and Jamie are reunited, but a goodbye kiss by Alaria shortens their reunion. Arya kills Trent, but is blinded by the Faceless Men because she, you know, she's not an official Faceless Man, and she used the face to to sneak in to kill Marin Trent, who was on her kill list. Uh, Tyrion takes the reins of Marine after uh, Danny leaves with Drogon, uh, and Cersei takes the Walk of Shame, and then Jon is obviously killed by the rest or by the the. What do you call it? The Brothers of the Watch. Then David Nutter also directed the first episode, the second episode, and this past episode of the last season, Winterfell, A Night of the Seven Kingdoms, and The Last of the Starks. He and Miguel Sapochnik are the only two directors in this final season, along with the showrunners and writers, uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, who will be directing the very last episode of... Uh, the series. So a lot of great things. If you didn't see uh, inside the episode or also the game revealed specials that pop up at the end, uh, you know, I watched my episodes through, uh, what is it called? HBO now. So that's where I get some of my stuff there, but something to look at and be mindful of. Um, I'm really looking forward to next week. Happy wedding day to Charlotte and Craig. We were just out uh, in Easton, Washington, towards the center of the state uh, to celebrate those two. Beautiful wedding, um, beautiful bride, handsome groom. It was awesome. I'm so happy for them. Uh, Thank you for inviting us. Otherwise, uh, thank you for listening today. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker. Pocket Cast and more. Rate and review us if you can. It really helps the the algorithms and like shooting us up and stuff. I didn't get to say this before, but thank you. Uh, I reached over a hundred plays already, which is awesome. Uh, due to the analytics of Anchor.fm, uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Turbo Geeks Pod. The intro music is Otis McMusic by Otis McDonald. The outro music is Compton, provided by Anchor.fm. Thank you, and be kind to one another.